G'day, Patrick Stack here from ABC Sport Daily. Each day this week, we're dropping an episode of our new podcast here in the Roy and HG feed as a bonus hit of sports goodness. If you enjoy it, you can head over to the ABC Sport Daily feed and subscribe. Cheers. Have a good one. This is an ABC podcast. I want to go all the way. Um, Hopefully it's possible. So... Alicia Keys and Jay-Z sang Let's Hear It for New York and that is the vibe for tennis fans after we saw not one but two Australians into the quarterfinals of the US Open. Nick Kyrgios knocked off the world number one and reigning champ Daniel Medvedev while Isla Tomlanovic backed up her victory over Serena Williams to move into the final eight. Is this a coming-of-age tournament for not one but two Aussies? Don't tell me to calm down. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Wally Masur has worked as the Director of High Performance at Tennis Australia. He's captained Davis Cup. He's even made a semi-final of the US Open himself. While when a bloke beats the world number one, the tournament defending champ, that is a big deal. Nick Kyrgios, a four-set victory. We've seen him score huge wins over a rollicking career, but is that the best victory he's claimed to date? Oh, he's done some pretty extraordinary things. I mean, we go back to the year he beat Rafa, kind of announced himself by beating Rafa in five. That wasn't bad. But I think what was really impressive about this was that we thought it was possible. You know, he's played awfully well since he got onto the grass and, uh, you know, he carried that great form onto the US hardcourt. So we thought he could do it. There's a lot of expectation there. And he absolutely dismantled Medvedev in the end. It's a little bit of a hiccup there in the second half. After winning the first, he lost a bit of concentration, lost a bit of momentum, but he really pulled it all back together. And yeah, just tactically for me, it was a very astute match. And then he executed really well. And, and there's your four set scoreline. You've often said that Grand Slams reflect the personality of the cities where they're played. Is there something about the raucous New York crowd that really suits Nick Kyrgios? Oh, 100%. And, you know, you can see how he thrives. It's a bit chaotic, you know, when he plays doubles with Danasi. He loves that chaos. You see how he thrives when he plays out at High Sense Arena at the Australian Open. You know, he doesn't he doesn't like to come into centre court till about the fourth round um, because it's, you know, the ground pass ticket and the punters are out there and it's noisy and it's raucous. So, absolutely, and I think New York suits him to a T. I'm just glad I'm, I'm, just glad I'm finally able to show New York, you know, my talent. Um, honestly, I haven't had many good trips here, to be honest. I haven't played great tennis, so I'm really glad that I'm able to show you guys the work and the, ded- the dedication finally. It took me 27 years. He's a big star. They've got him playing at night. Um, well, of course, Medvedev would be at night, but virtually every match he's been featured at night. So he's got a big support base over here, and, yeah, they're loving it. You hear about addicts having triggers, and you sometimes feel like Nick is addicted to drama. In the third set, he hit a foul ball you know, on the wrong side of the net to give up a break point chance. I'm not sure that that's allowed. I, 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 this is going to be an issue. Foul shot. Foul shot. <gasps> 14, yeah, you can't do this. You cannot cross the net. The ball's not dead yet. I assumed this is going to be a trigger moment for Kyrgios unravelling, and it was a trigger, but it was a trigger for unbelievable tennis. He went on a hell of a run. Is there a maturation happening, or am I just equating success with growth? I I looked at that point and I was a bit like, whoa, what's going to happen now? But what occurred to me, and I, I've, I've spent time with Nick when I was Davis Cup captain. He was playing great tennis, but he was not enjoying himself at all. This is going back to like 2015, 2016. 
So when I saw that happen, Nick was actually having fun. That that was a moment of mm. joy. Yeah, yeah, he made he made a wrong choice, you know. But in the you know in that moment, he was kind of enjoying himself, and uh, you know he thought he'd play the ball back into Medvedev's court illegally, as it turned out. But I, I didn't see it as. Yeah, I didn't see negativity there. I just saw it as he's actually enjoying himself. You know, he didn't fire it over the stadium or you know, bounce a racket. He was actually having a bit of fun. And, um, you know, a happy player is a good player. He's been pretty happy since Wimbledon, really. How much do you think the experience of that, that run um, at the All England Club is, is fueling this run here in New York City? Yeah, big time. Yeah, it's a taste, isn't it? You get a little taste. That's rarefied air, a Wimbledon final. You walk out on the final day of a slam, and it's you and Novak. I mean, that's that's pretty special. And he didn't get there; he wasn't too far away. But I think we can even wind the clock back. Look, and every everything you do in the course of your career is it's a brick in the wall, isn't it? You keep building, you keep building. You make mistakes, you fall back, you pick yourself up, you grow. People around you settle you. You mature. You know, when he first onto the scene, what was your teenager? He's twenty seven now. Things, a lot of things happen in the course of time. You know. Time away from the game, I believe, gave him some perspective too about what he had in terms of the talent that he had and the ability and the opportunity that he had. You know, COVID took that away from a lot of players and it made Nick, I think, take a step back, get a bit of perspective. And he's got a schedule that suits him. He's not on the hamster wheel, which the tour is. You know, we've been on the road now for four months and, you know, we've all got families that we want to see and I want to make it count. You know, this is the last trip before I head back to Australia. So, you know, I think a fairly important thing too was winning a Grand Slam title with Thanasi. I think he enjoyed that. And it's it's a Grand Slam title. I actually said to him about a week after I bumped into him in Sydney, I said, mate, you're a Grand Slam champion. He said, only doubles. I said, mate, you're a Grand Slam champion. With that comes a certain responsibility. I didn't articulate that, but, you know, that's kind of how it works in my head. Yeah, I think he has enjoyed, you know, having that title and moving forward. A Grand Slam champion in doubles. What about singles? Is he now favourite to win this tournament? You know I like to get carried away. You do, you do. So, you know, so that's that's Thacky. That's one of your great faults. You know, you get ahead of yourself. But I had him in my top three. I felt like there was a couple of players that could beat him. Medvedev was one. Uh, I had him in my top three to five at Wimbledon. He certainly can win it. And the cumulative effect of you know consecutive long matches is tough. But that's what I was worried about today. Yes, he could beat Medvedev, but that first set, you have two or three of those, and then you lose another set, and before you know, you're in a five-set dog fight and that's going to take something out of you. But he he finished in cruise control, like beautiful. You know, I just thought I played the right way. You know, I returned unbelievable today. Just thought the third and fourth set were just so free and I was just having a lot of fun and just embracing every moment out on Ash today. So really proud of that. Provided the doubles doesn't take too much out of him, I reckon he's, he'll be as fresh as a daisy. He plays Cantor, who just, you know, he just doesn't have the, the subtlety I, I believe to deal with the subtlety that Nick will, um, the, the points of difference that Nick has. So, yeah, I think that's going to be um, a, a good match for him. And But it's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, Berrettini's around there, Rude's around there, bottom half, you've got Alcaraz, you know, Nadal, who's going to come through there. So a lot of tennis to be played. Can he win it? Yes, he can. But he's going to have to be as good as he was tonight. Speaking of great Australian performances, Isla Tomlanovic also into the quarterfinals after a comprehensive victory, 7-6, 6-1 over her Russian opponent. Isla found herself at the centre of the tennis universe over the weekend after that victory over Serena Williams. The 
pressure cooker nature of that match was just nuts sitting on the couch watching it. Do you think it's seen her come to another level because of that experience and what she sort of had to deal with going against the GOAT? Yeah, I believe so. Yep. As I said, every every match, every every time you step out on the court and you, you compete, you know, it's another brick in the wall, good or bad. You learn things and you build. She had she kind of admitted, you know, when she walked out onto Louis Armstrong. She felt a bit flat. And I was thinking to myself that last 48 hours have been a lot. and But something in me was saying, you know, this is not where I stop. And I want to give it my all, even if I go down, but just with a little more fight. So the fact that I won, I'm still a little speechless. Hey, she's a true professional. She works hard. She's in a prime physically aisle. She's got a lot of poise. We saw that against Serena. It wasn't just her game that won that match. It was her poise. And I tell you what. Stacky, she demonstrated some poise at 5-4 in the first set down. Love 40. Just played a mammoth game. Found a way to win that game. One hour and 22 minutes later. Eight set point save. Isla Tomjanovic finally takes the first set from Ludmila Samsonova. And that kind of broke the match open. And then she ran away with it. And maybe Samsonova just a little bit a victim of her success leading into the US Open. She's been on a real winning streak, having won two titles. She just ran out of fuel. I don't know that Isla is a household name at this point in Australia, despite a really successful career to date, but she has a great backstory. Can you tell us how did she come to play for Australia and what's she like as a person, Wally? Great person, slotted into the, the Billie Jean King Cup team seamlessly, very popular with the players, and you can sort of see that really nice girl. All I wanted to do in that match was just respect Serena's legacy, but at the same time, I wanted to win. So for that to come off that way, I was happy about that. It's not unusual for foreign players to reach out to a, a federation, whether it be you know the US, Australia, and I guess part of it is to help them through those those transition years on the tour. You know, big federations have more resources. Isla reached out. It was a long, protracted affair for her to get a citizenship because Tennis Australia can write a letter of support, but they have to go through immigration channels, as everybody does. That took about three years or, or so. Um, it wasn't easy. Um, you got to remember, too, Isla was actually going out with Nick and living in Australia at the time, too. So there was that connection. So you sort of had that sort of scenario playing out in the background as well. Um, yeah, but she got a citizenship. She's uh, represented Australia really well, I might add. And as I say, very popular with the Australian cohort. We talk about getting carried away with Nick's potential to win in New York. Let's think about Isla. I mean, this is a tournament last year where we saw Emily Raducanu come through as a qualifier or a wild card, I believe. Do you think Tom Larnovich can realistically uh, achieve the ultimate Grand Slam victory here in New York, or am I just intoxicated on sports fan adrenaline? Yeah, look, I think you, you are excitable at the best of time, Stacky, and, of course, it only takes a few wins in fourth rounds at the US Open for you to go completely over the top. But um, I kind of agree with you. It's there to be won. You know, you can throw a blanket over a number of female players in these Grand Slams of late. With Ash departing, Tech at certain times, particularly on the clay, is a bit of a lock. Uh, you know, sometimes when Novak rocks up, you say, well, there's a group of players and then there's Novak. You know, on the clay, there's a group of players and there's Rafa. But I'm looking at this year's US Open in both men's and the women's, and I'm throwing a blanket over four or five players. And Isla's one of them. But I believe she plays on Jabeur in the next round, who who lets you play. I think Isla will enjoy that. You know, she'll have a little bit of time. There's a bit of variety to deal with there. 
She's a tricky customer, Jabir, but she does let you play. She's a real tennis player as opposed to a big ball striker. So anything is possible. Who can hold their nerve? Who can stay fit? You know, Isla had a little bit of leg strapping on that uh, left thigh. Uh, you're starting to get into a bit of attrition as you enter into the second week, um, playing un- with tension, as Isla certainly did against Serena, can have an effect. So, look, a few things have got to go right, but I, I do believe it's wide open in both the men's and the women's draw. And, of course, Isla and Nick are right at the front of that charge. Wally, thanks for letting us get carried away, but also keeping us sane. We appreciate your time, as always. Yeah, look, Stacky, I think, you know, and that's something, you know, you and I, we spend a bit of time together and I've always tried to mentor you, you know, just try to find the middle road, you know, don't be too high, don't be too low. Pick yourself up, but just bring yourself back when you feel yourself getting carried away too. We'll get, we'll stay steady. We'll stay steady. Stay steady. That's it. Headlines. Cameron Smith has adjusted to life on the Saudi-backed LIV tour. He finished fourth at the Boston event. Fellow Australians Mark Leishman and Matt Jones placed equal 26th. Maybe the most interesting thing to happen on course was LIV Chief Executive Greg Norman skydiving onto a fairway. A flying shark. A sharknado. This is the thing that actually happened. Troubles brewing at Manly with coach Des Hasler under increasing scrutiny at the Sea Eagles. There's also reports of a rift between Captain Daly Cherry Evans and other senior players. Watch this space. Watch it, I say. Did you catch the Aussie Rules finals over the weekend? Oofed. In the words of Forrest Gump, that's all I've got to say about that. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. A heads up, if you love women's footy, the AFLW podcast, The W with Shani and Sam is ABC Sports women's footy pod. He is a ripper. Shani Norder and Sam Lane taking you through all the big issues. Well worth a listen. Thanks to Stan Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.